Hello and welcome to Spotlight on Inclusive Coaching, a podcast series brought to you by Active Herefordshire in Worcestershire and the University of Worcester. The series aims to inspire and inform aspiring coaches across all sports and disciplines who are interested in gaining knowledge about how inclusive coaching can have a huge impact upon the athletes and the differences and similarities about how it should be approached. So we're inviting coaches to engage with us, take away some tips and see how they feel about inclusive coaching. There are six podcasts in the series covering a mixture of sports, ice skating, football, tennis, athletics, rugby and basketball. In these interviews, we're going to discover how our coaches have adapted and rounded their skills to become more inclusive and what it requires each time they step on the pitch, the court or the arena with their athletes. We'll talk about the challenges faced and the incredible rewards too. In this episode, we're talking with football coach Glyn Harding. He worked in youth sport after training to be a PE teacher with a particular focus on football. He's worked at academies in the area, including Shrewsbury and Wolverhampton Wanderers. And for the last 20 years, he's been at Worcester University to help people become coaches through their disability coaching degree. Here's what happened when we sat down for a chat with him. My name's Glyn Harding, and as you can probably pick up from my accent, uh, originally from rural mid-Wales, and I've had a number of jobs um, in working with people in sport. Uh, When I went uh, from Welshpool, mid-Wales, and I finally went to uh, Manchester University, but I wanted to be a PE teacher, because that was the only job them days, to stay in sport. There's no sports development offices, no coaches, really. Mm. It was all voluntary stuff. And um, played football, in Manchester, played basketball in Manchester, got my first teaching job in Shrewsbury, and uh, just loved work people and linking with people through sport. That was my kind of passion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I always felt that if you did a coaching badge, there was no coaches really them days, that was the only way you got the technical information to become a better player. And I just felt that some of the coaches I'd had were or ex-teachers, they were good, but didn't give you enough information. So my big thing was, well, okay, um, I'm playing football now, play a manager of a team, how am I going to get information? So I went on a coaching course. So I'd done my level two in Manchester with the Manchester FA. And there weren't many of them around them days. You know, the 20 people did a course, probably two or three would pass. So 17 failed. And then I'm playing in Wales, so I did my Welsh senior badge, but 26, I think, at the time. So, um, but I was at this kind of thirst for knowledge, and the best thing is, the course was good, but it was meeting the people in the evening and weekends, ex-professional players, mm. and they were passing on good information to you. So it, that's kind of my background. Mm-hmm. I left teaching after three years and got into youth work. And youth, you know, when youth workers in Telford loved it. And we had a big club where a lot of the people from the uh, local community, we played in the Telford Pre- Premier Sunday League. And it was fantastic, you know, experience and just for everybody. We're all footballers here. And um, so that was, a, that was a great learning experience. And uh, trying to then get those guys into coaching and staying in the game, despite, you know, working, bringing up a family. So I was a youth worker, but my way in was through sport. Mm-hmm. And so what specifically are you involved in now? Which sort of inclusive areas are you involved in yeah, right so now? Yeah, so from youth work, I, I worked in a college of... Uh, Thurver Education, Telford College, TCAT. And again, we had football teams, basketball teams, women's football team. And um, 
I was at, then, because I'd got my English coaching badge, uh, Shrewsbury Town asked me, would I go along and uh, help with their centre of excellence? That's when the professional game were taking the best players. Mm-hmm. So Shrewsbury Town had a centre of excellence and uh, did that for a couple of years and built it up quite nicely as some lads who then went, got their YTS and got in the first team. And then um, Wolverhampton Wanderers asked me to go across and, and work there. And so I left education and worked at Wolves Academy. And uh, it was wonderful, great experience. But I felt that we didn't have the best coaches with an eight, nine, ten-year-olds. Not bad from 16 to 18, not a problem. But we didn't have the best. And my big thing was I was trying to get them. And I couldn't, so I thought, well, I've got to move. I've got to do something different. So I came to Worcester University at a job, applied and got it. And so for the last 19 years, I've been working with young people to get into coaching. And then they can go back into their whatever community, elite, special needs kids, grassroots, elderly, and be the best coach they can be to get those people in the game. I've been quite lucky. Some of our students have got jobs at elite level, Leicester City Academy, etc., etc. match analysis. But the big thing was, again, working in a youth service, um, not many people worked with people with disabilities, young young men, young women, 15, 16 years of age, going through the you know life opportunities. And sport was a great way, swimming, um, boccia. We used to go to festivals and I'd drive the minibus and that kind of stuff. And I just felt that we need coaches now to be, or we've always needed coaches to include people with disabilities um, because it's their right, you know? And my big mantra has always been, if you can coach people with learning difficulties or physical disabilities, and you're good at it, when you then go and coach able-bodied people, you've got far more skills. I'm not saying it's easier, but you have actually learned things and you're more creative and, and you listen to people and you work things out. They work it out for themselves, but you act mm. as a sounding board. So working with people with disabilities, I stumbled across it uh, from my work in the youth service and carried it on here. Mm. At, so Worcester University 19 years ago and we had a module um, a special needs module really in sports so I contributed to that ended up running that but what you're going to learn in 12 weeks so um, that became a very popular module here then we put a second year module in to prepare them for the third year and now we've got a degree in disability so you can have a BSc honours degree in how to coach people with disabilities or teach people with disabilities. First year, second year, and then do independent study in it. And you become an expert, really. Mm-hmm. Um, do a master's now in adapted, in adapted physical activity. And again, we're preparing people to go and work in the community, in, whether it's in special schools or as a school, where you've got one or two learners who happen to have a disability. And our students, I think, are market leaders in it. You know, mm-hmm. They're confident, competent, because they've had lots of experience uh, so it's a knowledge in the lectures, but also the work placement where you're trying it out and where you're to guide and to mentor them, really. So I want to focus on um, three particular areas that, that you work in. Yeah. So um, there's a veteran side, there's work with the Albion Foundation at West sure. Bromwich Albion yeah. and also Worcester Disability Football Club. So let's sure. start with that veteran side and what, what's, what's unique about that, what well, the challenge is there and how are they overcome? So a number of years ago, I hit 50 years of age and you think, well, how am I going to keep fit? And uh, what about football? You know, people always walking football. I said, well, I think I can still do a bit of jogging around here. So we've got a team going, Sunday morning, on the 3G, put an advert, anybody interested, two, three, four, got up to ten, just training. Any chance of a game, Glenn? I said, what are we going to play here? So 
kept going, built up a number, and then we found out there was a league in Oxford. So I thought, well, surely we can get a league going here in Worcester. So we got one team at two, there was always a good little team in Droitwich. Mm. So now, 10 years later, we've got uh, a league with 12 teams in, in Worcestershire. And what, a couple of our lads have played for England now. So all of a sudden, it's, it's got a pathway. Mm. So How that's do you... our Sunday... Sunday I was, I was just going to say, are there, are there challenges with a, with a veterans team? Because obviously you're playing with people who I'm guessing have been playing for a long time or yeah. used to play and get back into it. <laughs> how, how do you work out who is the, sure. who's the leading voice in that? Yeah. Who's the one that makes the calls? Because you've got a lot of experience um, there, haven't you? Oh, it is. And it's, um, I mean, the only positive is um, I don't have any problem with the parents. You know? <laughs> That's the one thing. However, some people are living their dream and trying to play like an 18-year-old. So it self-manages a little bit. And, okay. and, and does, it, does it take a, a, a manager, I suppose, oh, to, yeah. to be a manager at that, sure. at that league? You know, you, like you say, you haven't got the... You've just got a lot of experience there. You've got a lot of people who, are, you know, for want of a better phrase, believe they know best. Sure. So how do, you, how do you manage that? How do you and tell those people what to do without the, the comeback? Right. I think that's coaching. Mm. And I think, you know, whether you're working with elderly people or senior players very young players people with disabilities you know deaf players blind players it's about communication skills and it's about negotiation but at the end of the day sometimes not saying we have a vote but um it's it's about convincing people there's another way to do it etc etc but yeah so with the 50s because i'm 63 now i haven't played much over 50s football at all because someone has to be on a touchline responsible calling the subs, roll, rolling subs, come mm. off for 10 minutes, go back on, etc. So that is crucially important. Mm -hmm. We've got to have a qualified coach with a medical. Um, always take a walkie-talkie on the pitch so you can get the defibrillator down, you know, so if we played at Worcester University, it's, it's well protected, you know, but mm -hmm. then it's football's football. You know, people mm -hmm. say, well, what about heading the ball for young kids? What about heading the ball if you're 60? Well, the game's a game. <laughs> so you, you can't dilute it down that mm -hmm. much kind of thing. But you definitely need a, a manager yeah. at the end of the day to, to, to make certain decisions. Hope you are enjoying the Spotlight on Inclusive Coaching podcast so far and taking some inspiration from our guests. We'll get back to that conversation shortly, but we just wanted to make you aware of the other episodes in the series. There are going to be six interviews with the different coaches plus an introductory episode where we sit down and discuss all of the coaches' chats with the people behind the podcast, the Active Herefordshire and Worcestershire Partnership and the University of Worcester. That episode is available right now, along with our chat with Rebecca Foster, MBE, who coaches across athletes in a number of different ways, including at three Deaf Olympics. She told us about the importance of relationship building. If you're nervous about approaching someone who uh, might be in a power chair and they might not have eye contact with you, um, you might be worried of the, that you might offend, where you know they'll let you know if you, they offend you. Why not just try? And if you get uh, the response from both ends and, it, and it's mutual, then wow, what a great moment for, for both of you to uh, have, have recognised someone's existence as opposed to just walking past them. That episode with Rebecca is available now. And remember, you can find more details and links to all the episodes at activehw.co.uk or search for Spotlight on Inclusive Coaching. For now, though, let's get back to this episode. 
let's talk about the Albion Foundation. It's, something, sure. it's the um, uh, West Bromwich Albion's um, foundation that they've got yeah. set up there. So yeah. what work do you do with them? What's, the, what's involved there? Um, the Albion is, you know, like a registered charity. So Shrewsbury Town would have a football in the community. So would Forest Green. I remember Worcester City, Kidderminster Harriers. They've all got this charity arm and they do fantastic work from grassroots to fun weeks at half term, which we've obviously got this week. So the Albion Foundation is our nearest, up until a couple of years ago, Premier League football club. So they would organise, for example, in the city, and we'd run it at the university. A junior school teams would come in, have a tournament. The winning team would then go on to West Brom and play teams from Sandwell, Dudley, etc., etc. The winning team would then play at Wembley against the other you know, so Liverpool, Everton's champions kind of thing. So again, it's this pyramid. So mm. Pitmaston School a few years ago won the local one, and I think they actually won at Wembley. So that's if you're the Premier League club. Now they're in the championship, they would play Preston North End, th- those, and it would be, I'd say, Coventry's ground or mm. whatever. So it's wonderful for the kids for that. But they also do fantastic work, like the other 91 clubs, with, say, for example... Uh, children with learning difficulties, that they go into schools doing PE lessons, etc. Um, work with the elderly, work with people like in dementia. They've got a fantastic um, reminiscence session on a Thursday morning at the club. And again, we've got involved with that with our association for dementia studies. Um, but what I'm really pleased about, we've probably got at the moment eight ex-students working their career is at the Albion Foundation, so it's a, a great way of students getting a degree and then getting employment. Um, Haley James, for argument's sake, is a senior member of staff at the Albion Foundation, having worked her way up. Mm-hmm. So it's having great impact across the West Midlands um, in the target areas where coaches can make a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, mental health, unemployment, etc., etc., and football for fitness. So it's a great, it's a really good link mm. for us to uh, work. It's a, it's a partnership, I think, Richard. And and how different are the challenges in preparing those students for saying going to work with the Albion Foundation yeah. or or going to work, you know, any other areas of of, of inclusive sport? Yeah, I think um, a lot of co- young people come here. I think they're going to be getting a job at Everton Football Club or Aston Villa as a coach with the young fifteen, sixteen year olds, and ultimately maybe with the first team. As they develop through the, the, there's a bit of realism kicks in that there's very few jobs at, at that level and they're usually for ex-players. However, they can have more impact going to coach the under-13s or the under-14s and it's actually now a full-time job. Or, when I first came, you might get a young person who's going to be a PE teacher, might be head of PE in a school and works two nights a week at the Albion hmm. and works with the under-15s on a Saturday, on a Sunday. So it was actually... Not all the time, but it was an additional parallel thing to their main career. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's up, so I always said that PE and coaching as a mixed degree was a good one because you're not sure which one you're going to go, which route you're going to go down in the end. Um, so many jobs at many football clubs and rugby clubs, if you think, you know, they're doing the same kind of thing. And you're trying to say to young people, Work out in the three years you're here, and if you do a fourth-year master's, what you're best at. So try working with girls, try working with lads, try working with elite players. Go and coach a deaf team, and you might find that's your forte, your gift, and that's and that's where mm-hmm. you know that's where you should concentrate really. But it's 
Yeah. And and it, and it brings me on to the other element that, that we want to talk about Worcestershire uh, Worcester Disability Football sure. Club. Um so how is how is how's that different to what we've spoken about already? Yeah, well it's community, it's local, it's here in St John's. All the players are from Worcester. So we haven't got anybody coming from uh you know Sandwell because yeah, I'll be and do that kind of stuff. Fantastic uh, voluntary club headed up by a guy called uh, Derek Cunningham and uh, Derek's club has been going I'm, I'm going to say 16 years on our 3G pitch and it's a great avenue for our students to go and watch coaches working with people with disabilities very young children to 40 year old guy with Down syndrome who plays for argument's sake so we do modules where the guys can do a work placement 10 hours in the first year 12 hours in the second year and uh, and so forth so to go along and help so they assist a, a more experienced coach and then they end up running sessions they end up going to a tournament every six weeks they go and play in Telford or uh, Oxford or somewhere so they go on the bus off they go and then we house a tournament here to ra- the Free Counties League uh, they call it so it's a joyous celebration it's fantastic um they use a sports hall, they use a gym, and they use a 3G. And, uh, but it, it, it's a pan-disability group. So you might have a couple of players with learning difficulties, a player with CP, cerebral palsy, and a goalkeeper with uh, hearing loss in the same team. But they all play for Worcester Disability uh, Football Club, mm. or the Worcester All-Stars, as he used to be called. And there's a really good little video, which I know um, Simon and Bronwyn will put on the website for people to have a click. Ultimately, some of the young people get really get infused, and they say, "I don't want to coach the, the Albion. I don't want to coach it. I want to. This is where I see my forte." And um, they're just good at it. They're French, you know. They come out of themselves. They form great friendships. And uh, the thing that I suppose is really impresses me. I've got a, a couple of ex-students, uh, Chloe and uh, Jacob, who have got careers now, special needs teaching. Chloe, Jacob is a junior school teacher. Um, and he has cerebral palsy. He's a top CP player himself, but they coach every Sunday morning, even though they left the university four or five years ago. Mm. So now they mentor the next generation of young students. Um, they've got a great... And they've both got their FA Level 2 coaching badge. They don't know a game inside out, but they're people per- persons. So I can trust students going to them to learn from, from them and how to coach that group. So is is the is the is the the, um, the landscape now more encouraging in that way for for coaches? When you're looking at people who come to become a coach, you can technically say to them, there are many more different avenues than you probably thought were there, yeah. but they're all going to involve different skill sets. Yeah. Oh, you could argue the same skill sets, which is good communication, good preparation, eye for detail, be a people person. But the people that you're thinking you're going to coach with, it's a wider landscape, you know, walking football, the dementia group, uh, the, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so try everything and then find out what you're really good at. You know, some students go off to America in the summer, in the summer go and work for Camp America, but they might choose to go and work on a camp which has disabled children in. So they transfer the skills here to abroad and they might get a job abroad. Um, so the skill set is, um, it's important that they find out about themselves first. Their own, be confident in, in your own ability. Mm-hmm. Upskill yourself, but try and find the avenue where you are going to have the, the biggest contribution and the most job satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Um, but football, basketball, whatever, gym work, 
that's your key. That's your way in. Mm-hmm. That's what you do when you're in there. I yeah. Think. And is and is that the, is that the thing you'd say to to people looking at becoming coaches who can see those inclusivity ro- routes that there are, like you say, it starts with them, and how they're going to end up going out and becoming an individual in any of those areas. Yeah, I think that is, and, and and the only thing I think Richard we can prepare people for in coaching is we know it's going to change. We're preparing them for to be robust and go with whatever change comes comes along. Uh, have the confidence that you're competent. Keep up to date with new literature, new um, ideas from the government. You know, when you're working with people, it's, you know, we we weren't talking about COVID three years ago. Well, there's a huge challenge now to get back where we were. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have. So keep current. Keep learning. You know, we talked about mentoring before. Go and work with other people. Pick their brains. But when you do the session, you think you're going to copy what they did, but you won't, because you'll do it through your filter with the group of your coaching. So it's always a unique situation you're going to be in, mm-hmm. but go back to your skill set that's worked for you in the past. But, you know, I'm learn- I love it working here because I'm learning from the young people of today, and I'm learn- got a- a- around a lot of colleagues who have got different ideas, and I'll say, oh, I like that. I'll, <laughs> I'll learn, you know, I'll learn off you, and... Um, that's what it's all about, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. learning is lifelong. It's a right, and sometimes it's, we know it's a bit more difficult for some people, and that's where you have to dig in and show a bit of resolution and see what you can do and what you can't do. Because any, you know, it's always our but would have, should have, could have. Well, okay, we know that. What can we do in a little rural county like Worcestershire? We're doing some good stuff, I think. You know, so. We need to, to celebrate that and to share our practice with, with other people. Brilliant. Well said. Glenn, thank you very much. Thank you for your time today. Okay, hope Great to hear yeah. your experience. Great to Fine. hear your thoughts. Yeah, and no uh, problem. I think that's been really useful for everyone. Thank you. Okay, thank you. So there we have it. A huge thanks to our guest and, of course, to you for listening to this episode of Spotlight on Inclusive Coaching. Remember, if you want to know anything about the Coaches Academy or get more support on your coaching journey, then go to the Active Herefordshire and Worcestershire website, which is activehw.co.uk. We'll see you soon.